Well, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm going to try and get through this. I mean, the construction in the air, uh, area is just shaking the entire neighborhood. It's getting pretty bad. Wednesday, January 19th. 2022, Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. See, I said 2022 this time. The uh, uh, Tonga eruption, uh, the, the, uh, the volcanic eruption near, near Tonga in the Pacific was huge. Okay, here we go. Hiroshima was a 15 kiloton bomb. And you saw what that did. 15 kilotons. Each kiloton is, a, is equivalent to a thousand uh, tons of dynamite. A thousand tons of dynamite. That's a lot of dynamite. That's like a warehouse of dynamite. That's one kiloton. A megaton is a thousand times stronger than one kiloton, right? So that would be like, <laughs> I don't know, that's, that's like a thousand warehouses. No, no, not a thousand warehouses. Uh, you know, okay, a thousand house side sized uh, um, uh, houses with stuffed with dynamite. Okay, um, NASA scientists have estimated that the eruption of the underwater volcano near Tonga was equivalent to ten megatons. Okay. News media is saying it was more than 500 times the energy released in the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. But I did the math for you. <laughs> My math told me that it was nearly 670 times the magnitude of the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. And about, uh, I guess I guess that would make it maybe Maybe close to 500 times the one on Nagasaki. I think the Nagasaki one was bigger, right? Wasn't that 21 kilotons? Uh, 15 kilotons was uh, uh, Hiroshima. I think it was 21 kilotons. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'd have to check. I, I should have checked this morning. I didn't think of it. It's been a while since I've looked at that stuff. The tsunami that we resulted was 50 feet high and wiped out some smaller islands. Now... And I, I don't know what has happened to the people on the smaller islands. Uh, I can only assume we've lost them, but I have no clue. Now you think 10 megatons would make a, a waves higher than 50 feet, right? I, that's what I would think. But I think that's because the ocean wasn't deep enough. That if the ocean was deeper there, that... The, the wave would be much higher. I mean, this is huge. I, I, you know what? I'm going to have to look up and see what, what the uh, uh, volcanic eruption in North America was. Uh, the, the one in, in the uh, uh, Yosemite, the basin there. I wonder what that was, what they estimate that was. I'd have to look that up. I could Google it, but I don't want to. Um, <clears throat> PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to Google Political Views TV, TV Podcast. And I'll show up right at the top of the search. Man, do I appreciate you coming every day. It's so nice of you. It really is. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow. Uh, tweet to me questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Hey, if I can get a lot of people, maybe I can actually 
keep this going. You know, maybe I can throw in a commercial here and there and make a, a couple of pennies here and there. <laughs> uh, let's go. Chuck Schumer confirmed last night that if Republicans continue to obstruct a long-delayed voting rights package, he will move to bring back the talking filibuster, the Mr. Smith filibuster, what I've been fighting for for 20 years. For just this legislation, though. Uh, yes, I think it should be brought back for everything. We need the talking filibuster. I want to see Mr. Smith get up. Uh, in the old days, guys would literally bring a pail up. I, I don't know how they're going to do it now with women. But guys would literally pee, bring a pail up and they would pee in the pail while they're, while they're talking because they didn't want to leave the floor. Make people stand up and defend their views. Throughout the current congressional session, voting rights legislation has been blocked by Senate Republicans, as well as the two Democrats, uh, four times this year so far. Uh, Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, as you know, who have so far opposed abolishing or reforming the filibuster. Uh, after Senator uh, Dick Durbin, uh, from, uh, Durbin from Illinois, uh, the, the, he's the majority whip, suggested the talking filibuster approach to journalists uh, earlier yesterday. He was talking about it. He said Manchin signaled that he would not support the change. I, Manchin needs to support the talking filibuster. It still keeps the filibuster in place, and it forces people to defend it. But of course, we know what's on Manchin's mind. Um... Politico's Burgess Everett tweeted that Manchin says he doesn't support a talking filibuster that goes around the 60-vote threshold and won't support the nuclear option to change rules, adding that the senator says he's fine with a primary challenge over this. I, of course he's fine with a primary challenge. First of all, he's in West Virginia, which is a right-wing state, and it's a difficult win. But he's, he's a freaking millionaire. And the only reason he's a senator is to make laws that allow him to keep his filthy freaking money. Money made from coal and oil. Why would he care? He makes, he makes more. Uh, if he gets a primary challenge, you know how much money big, big oil is going to give him to beat that primary challenge? They've already given him more than anybody in, in the country. Please. Schumer hasn't said he'd support pushing Manchin out in a, in a primary, but Bernie Sanders, the burn, feel the burn, he had something to say about it. He says, what's at stake is the future of American democracy and the fact that all over this country, Republican governors and legislators are moving aggressively to support the vote and to impose extreme gerrymandering, among many other things. Anybody who believes in American democracy has got to vote to enable us to go forward with 50 votes to suspend the filibuster, at least on this vote. And, of course, he's right. Now that I have your attention, let's try and fix the world. Yes, we are. <clears throat> are you an active voter like me? Do you, do you show up at their office and they're, and they're like, oh, God, it's him again. <laughs> Now time to talk about 
that pesky movie theater in the mansion. Of course, you know I'm talking about uh, Kirsten Cinema. Yesterday, there was a survey of Arizonans. 94% said they would back a 2024 primary challenger to Kirsten Cinema if she does not support filibuster reform. Now, this is Arizona. Arizona is far right also. Arizona is just shy of uh, as far right as Utah. Of course, they're right next to each other. Uh, of course, this was a poll of progressive Democrats in a flash poll. Uh, Indivisible uh, uh, is the name of uh, the, the company that did it. Indivisible, it's a progressive advocacy group, asked about uh, 4,600 in- indivisible activists in Arizona via SMS, a text message. If Senator Cinema votes no on fixing the filibuster and passing voting rights, would you support a Democratic primary challenge to her in 2024? That was the question put forth. And like I said, these are very progressive people that they asked. So it wasn't like they asked the general population. But still, 94% said yes, even though it was a progressive poll 94% is pretty remarkable. Moving on to, speaking of Utah, (laughs) and this is a false narrative, Mitt Romney, uh, you know, uh, you know Mitt Romney uh, voted to impeach Trump, and Republicans have been trying to unseat him, but Mitt Romney is very popular in his state, in Utah. There's no way he can be unseated. Uh, But he's still a right-wing uh, sociopath. He's still far right. Mitt Romney in interviews uh, and uh, Mitt Romney on the floor produced these false narratives. On Meet the Press Sunday, Romney had something to say. He said, President Biden said he was going to try to unite the country. His comments in Georgia did not say, uh, remember Biden uh, spoke in Georgia last, uh, last week. His comments in Georgia did not suggest he's trying to pull us back together again. He's got to recognize that when he was elected, people were not looking for him to transform America. I, I don't know about you, but when I elected, uh, uh, voted for him, I wanted him to transform America. Uh, anyway, he continued. They were looking to get back to normal, to stop the crazy. And it seems like we're continuing to see the kinds of policy and promotions that are not accepted by the American people. I, I, I accept m- many of them. It's just that Kirsten Cinema and, and Manchin do not, and neither do you. <laughs> um, I, of course, he was speaking of voting rights because that's what uh, um, Biden was talking about in Georgia. But th- this is a false narrative that Biden's, that, that he's transforming America on voting rights. That's that's a completely false narrative. The number of legislations, legislative advances in red states, if you want to call them advances, the number of those in red states made to suppress the vote in the last year is staggering. I mean, we're talking about suppressing the vote for 100 million people. That is... The transformation. Biden isn't transforming anything. Biden wants to stop the transformation and get the people back to where they were before by creating legislation to stop GOP voter suppression, 
to stop the transformation. So it was a false narrative. That whole, that whole thing he was saying was a false narrative. Then yesterday, another false narrative by, by uh, uh, the, the nutball, Mitt Romney, and his uh, ten wives. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he has any extra women. Um, then uh, uh, yesterday, on the Senate floor, Mitt said, Mitt Romney, now I note that political overstatement and hyperbole may be relatively common, and they are often excused, but the president and some of my Democrat, Democratic colleagues have ventured deep into hysteria. Their cataclysmic predictions for failing to support the, their entirety partisan election reform worked out entirely by themselves without any input whatsoever from any single person on, this, on my side of the aisle are far beyond the pale. Okay, let's break this down. Yet another false narrative because much of that bill is hated by Democrats because they put things in that Republicans wanted and nobody on the Democratic side wanted. Claiming no input by Republicans is a complete lie. Not just a fabrication, not just a, uh, 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 not just him being forgetful. It's a complete lie. Democrats don't want voter ID requirements, among several other things that they put in that Republicans wanted. So, so saying what he said is a complete lie. Two false narratives from Mitt Romney, the right-wing sociopath Republican, even though he voted to impeach Trump. Moving on. You know, it's, it's, you got to say, if someone as far right as, as Mitt Romney voted to impeach Trump, then he probably deserved it, by the way. Moving on. <clears throat> Biden will be throwing a press conference today. I know you think you've seen a press conference with him before, but you likely haven't. You know, he's made a couple of speeches here and there. It will be his first formal press conference he has convened in months. And only his second. It will be about Omicron, Russia, Build Back Better, voting rights, China, among anything else. A White House official said the president knows there's more work to do, so he's going to level with the American people about the challenges we still face, especially when it comes to COVID-19 and higher prices and the actions he's taking to tackle them and the actions being blocked by Republicans and two certain senators uh, Jen Psaki separately summed up uh, at yesterday's briefing. She said, I think what you'll hear from the president uh, talk tomorrow is how to build on the foundation we laid in the first year. Biden's event took uh, uh, today at 4 p.m. Eastern will be only his second formal solo news conference at the White House. The last solar, uh, uh, solo presser was on March 25th of last year. Uh, but he uh, has also, it couldn't be of this year, right? Uh, but he has also had five solo news conferences while on foreign trips and two White House news conferences with foreign leaders there in, 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 in his presence. Moving on. Uh, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do press. I, I think he should do more press conferences, and I think he should call out Republicans directly. Moving on, the Supreme Court will hear arguments today in a case that uh, really has divided Republicans and Democrats about campaign finance. 
over how candidates fund uh, their campaigns. Uh, the case brought by Texas Republican Ted Cancun Cruz uh, centers on the uh, 2002 Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, which sets new limits on political donations, tried to quash soft money that skirted those limits and required federal candidates to include the I approve this message tag line on TV ads. On the surface, Cruz wants the court to strike down part of the law that restricts a campaign's ability to raise money after an election to repay a candidate's personal loan. In other words, like like what um, Trump did after he lost the election, he kept on collecting money, kept on collecting money, right? Uh, apparently you can't do that in the Senate. I don't know. Uh, The Biden administration says the provision helps prevent corruption, uh, but critics say it's a perk that benefits incumbents. And it's true, it does benefit incumbents because they can borrow money in advance and get it paid back. I don't think you can do that if you're running against an incumbent. Moving on. I'm not sure about all this. I'm just reading what's on the paper. I didn't get much into this story. According to a court filing late yesterday, the committee investigating the insurrection could get access to a small portion of Trump's White House documents today. The National Archives was scheduled to release about a half dozen pages of records that had not been blocked from release. The House committee had uh, has subpo- uh, subpoenaed and obtained records of phone numbers associated with one of Trump's children, Eric Trump, as well as uh, Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle who is uh, engaged to Donald Trump Jr. Uh, It appears to be the first time the select committee has issued subpoenas that target a member of the Trump family in what marks a significant escalation of the investigation into Trump's role in the insurrection. Um, The phone records obtained by the committee are part of a new round of call detail records subpoenaed from the communications companies. These records provide the committee with logs that show incoming and outgoing calls including the date, time, and length of calls. Uh, the, uh, the records also show a log of text messages, but not the substance or content of the messages. Both Eric Trump and Kimberly Guilfoyle played prominent roles in Trump's Stop the Steal efforts, including Guilfoyle uh, fundraising off the lie that the election was stolen. Both spoke at the January 6th rally on the ellipse that preceded the attack on the Capitol, the insurrection. The newly obtained records include the cell phone number used by Eric Trump, according to sources familiar with the number. Uh, The cell phone number for uh, Guilfoyle was confirmed by sources familiar with her number and her text messages. Uh, The committee uh, investigating the insurrection also issued subpoenas yesterday to Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, and other members of Donald Trump's legal team who filed bogus legal challenges in the 2020 election. The committee is continuing to widen its scope, tighten the noose into Trump's orbit, this time demanding information and testimony from Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, and Boris Epstein. Oh, man. I can't wait to see that nutball, Sidney Powell, uh, <laughs> being questioned. Oh my God, she's 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 a loose she's a loose screw. I mean, seriously, the kind of stuff that she might say on the floor while being questioned. Oh God, 
that that would be popcorn entertainment. Um, all four uh, of these people publicly pushed Trump's uh, baseless voter fraud claims in the months after the uh, election. Uh, chairman of the panel, Mississippi Representative Benny Thompson, we talked about several times. The four indiv- said the four individuals we subpoenaed today advanced unsupported theories about election fraud, pushed efforts to overturn the election results, or were in direct contact with the former president about attempts to stop the counting of electoral votes. And by the way, all those attempts in court, all, what was it? Was it like 40 of them? Was it like 40 lawsuits that they filed? All of them lost, except for one. And the one was only a temporary stop of counting some, some votes in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, and and then they went through. So it, it, it didn't really matter. <laughs> I believe that's what it was. Uh, the committee said it is seeking records. Did you hear that vibration? Man, the whole building shook. Uh, the committee said it's seeking records and deposition testimony from Giuliani. The panel is also seeking information about Giuliani's reported efforts to persuade state legislatures to take steps to overturn the election results. Also, yesterday, the Justice Department notified a federal appeals court that it planned to turn over some of Trump's records sought by the January 6th committee by 6 o'clock tonight, barring a new court order. The nine-member panel is also demanding information from Ellis, a legal advisor who the lawmakers say reportedly prepared and circulated two memos that analyzed the constitutional authority for then-Vice President Mike Pence to reject or delay counting the electoral votes from states that had submitted alternative slates of electors. Now, remember, the nutball leader of the Oath Keepers even said that Pence couldn't do that. The last person subpoenaed yesterday by the committee is uh, Epstein. I'm not sure how to, it's a weird spelling of Epstein. Epstein, a former Trump campaign strategic advisor who reportedly attended meetings at the Willard Hotel in the days leading up to the insurrection. The committee said Epstein had a call with Trump on the morning of January 6, 2021 to discuss options to delay the certification of election results in the event of Pence's unwillingness to deny or delay the process, which, of course, he was unwilling. (laughs) Moving on. Yesterday, there was a 115-page filing that New York... uh, This is more on uh, Trump lawsuit. I mean, Trump's in so much trouble, man. This is hilarious. Yesterday, there was a 115-page filing that New York uh, uh, Attorney General Letitia James submitted to the Supreme Court of New York in an effort to compel Trump, his eldest son Donald Trump Jr., and his daughter Ivanka Trump to testify under oath as part of the investigation, which began in 2019. As part of the filing, uh, the office released... I I mean, it started in 2019, but it, it predated that. The only reason it started in 2019... Um... Uh, it's it started before that, but when pr- Trump became president, there was some question as to what they could do. Right? Anyway, as part of the filing, the office released information that is part of the New York Attorney General Letitia James' ongoing civil probe probe of the uh, Trump Organization. Eric Trump invoked the Fifth Amendment more than five hundred times over the course of a six-hour deposition to avoid answering questions. 
I, okay. I'm going to admit this is somewhat, uh, somewhat of uh, hyperbole. And the reason why, uh, because once someone invokes the Fifth Amendment, I, I don't think they can answer any questions after that. They have to keep on claiming uh, uh, Fifth Amendment. I, and But what's funny about this? <laughs> on the campaign trail in 2016, Trump said that uh, that only guilty people invoke the Fifth Amendment to avoid answering questions. Trump said that himself. Isn't that funny? Uh, the new legal document outlines James's case that Trump and his family business falsely and fraudulently valued multiple assets and misrepresented those values to financial institutions for economic benefit. And, uh, you know, we talked about this case numerous times. We've talked about how what they would do is they would inflate the value of something so they could get more money as loans. Um, and Trump loves other people's money. He loves other people's money. Uh, they would inflate the value of stuff so they could get bigger loans. And then when uh, they went to the IRS, they would deflate the value so they wouldn't owe so much in taxes. That's what they did. Um, of course... Trump labels this a partisan witch hunt, ignoring the fact that this investigation was going on long ago. Uh, Trump has refused to cooperate. And how can it be partisan? He's not president right now. Trump has refused to cooperate with and attempted to quash uh, a subpoena from James seeking his sworn testimony. Uh, James said in a statement yesterday, for more than two years, the Trump Organization has used delay tactics and litigation in an attempt to thwart a legitimate investigation into the fi uh, its financial dealings. The Trumps must comply with our lawful subpoenas for documents and testimony because no one in the country can pick and choose if and how the law applies to them. We will not be deterred in our efforts to continue this investigation and ensure that no one is above the law. Uh, now, uh, uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James' office says it needs the testimony of Trump and two of his adult, adult children to determine their knowledge of what investigator, uh, investigators say. They have identified as numerous misleading statements and omissions in tax omissions and financial statements used to obtain loans. In the court filing yesterday, Investigators stated the office intends to make a final determination about who is responsible for those misstatements and omissions. In other words, who ordered it? <laughs> Adding that uh, OAG, Office of Attorney General, requires the testimony and evidence sought herein to determine which Trump organization employees and affiliates and which other entities and individuals may have assisted the Trump Organization and Mr. Trump in making or may have relevant knowledge about the misstatements and omissions at issue. Now, if I was someone on the bubble of Trump's organization and I knew about this and I was involved, I would be knocking on Letitia James's door and saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, if you uh, give me immunity... <laughs> Um, they write that um, witnesses closest to the top of the Trump organization have asserted their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. Uh, Certain others have professed faulty memories or asserted that they were following instructions from more senior employees. 
Specifically, the New York Attorney General's office said it is zeroing in on several specific alleg- uh, alleged uh, misstatements, including <laughs> the size of Trump's uh, uh, Trump Tower penthouse. Trump claimed it was triple its actual size for a loan, right? Uh, he miscategorized, uh, miscategorized assets outside Trump's or the Trump organization's control as cash, thereby overstating his liquidity. He misstated the process by which Trump or his associates reached valuations, including deviations from generally accepted accounting principles in ways that the statements did not disclose. Failed to use fundamental techniques of valuation like discontinuing future revenues, uh, discount, I'm sorry, discounting future revenues and expenses to their present value or choosing as comparables only similar properties in order to impute valuations from public sales data. Uh, misstated the purported involvement of outside professionals in reaching the valuations and failed to advise that certain valuation amounts were inflated by an undisclosed amount for brand value. In other words, they lied and then covered up the lies and covered up that they covered up the lies. Yeah. Uh, the awful, uh, the, the office also said it has evidence indicating Trump may have obtained more than $5 million in federal tax benefits from allegedly misleading valuations obtained from tax benefits taken at the family compound in New York, known as Seven Springs, and at the Trump National Golf Course in Los Angeles. And let's not forget, a few months ago, uh, maybe a year ago, we talked about a report, might have been more than a year ago, uh, that Trump may have been laundering money through his Turnberry golf course in Scotland, and they want to talk to him. No one puts hundreds of millions of dollars into a golf course worth $20 million. And people want to know what the hell is going on there. Uh, just just Google Trumbury and, and uh, golf course, Trump, Scotland. It'll come up. You'll see the article. So moving on to international stuff. Uh, this is how so-called democracy dies, and I call it so-called, but it's not because it's not exactly democracy. We've known for a long time that, though they claim it, Israel has not been a democracy. They really aren't. Uh, now a report is alleging that police in Israel used NSO's Pegasus spyware against Israel, uh, Israel's own citizens, including opponents of former Prime Minister uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, <clears throat> we talked about NSO Group the NSO group, that had put spy software on phones of world leaders all over the world. Even the, was it the prime minister or the king of Spain? I forget. According to Calculus, the Special Operations Cyber Unit of Israel's police remotely planted the private company's spyware on phones belonging to political activists, mayors, former governors, employees, and others, taking over their devices and having the ability to listen to all their calls and read all their messages. Not only did the government know, they planned it. The reporting indicates that the extrajudicial surveillance occurred without court supervision and police did not request search or bugging warrants for the targeted individuals who were suspected of no crimes. This is like 
Watergate on steroids. If this were any other country, the U.S. would be making sanctions against them right now. But it's Israel. So I'm sure they're going to be helping them. Moving on. According to a senior State Department official, oh man, we got so much stuff today. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It it keeps happening. (laughs) Uh, Two more pages. We're almost there. We're almost there. Um... According to a senior State Department official, Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, will meet with Ukrainian leaders today as Biden, uh, the Biden, uh, probably already met with them, uh, as the Biden uh, administration ramps up the diplomatic efforts. Blinken is scheduled to meet with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in Geneva on Friday, then then with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and Foreign Minister uh, Dmitry Kuliba. To reinforce the United States' commitment to U- Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Uh, territorial integrity, of course, is, has to do with the Crimean, uh, Crimean Peninsula. Peninsula. Uh, Blinken's trip comes after lower-level talks with Russian and European officials last week. Failed to produce a breakthrough. Russia. Ru- Russia. Russia is a problem. Uh, while this all goes on, more problems. Russia is sending an unspecified number of troops from the country's far east to Belarus for major war games. So, so just so you know, Ukraine borders Russia to the east and Belarus to the north. Uh, to the south, they sort of border Russia also because uh, Russia uh, invaded Crimea, which is part of Ukraine, and they're still there. Anyway, this new deployment will further beef up Russian military president presence near Ukraine amid Western fears of a planned invasion. Uh, now, the UK, they delivered a batch of anti-tank weapons in response. Russia's Deputy Defense Minister Alexander Fomin said the joint drills with Belarus would involve practicing a joint response to external threats. Ukrainian officials have warned that Russia could launch an attack on Ukraine from several directions, including from its ally in Belarus, Lukashenko. Uh, The U.S. again stressed its concern yesterday with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki describing the Russian forces move into Belarus as part of an extremely dangerous situation. She said, we're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch, launch an attack in Ukraine. Uh, Russia's deputy minister, uh, uh, Alexander Fomin, said it would uh, take through uh, February 9th to fully deploy weapons and personnel for the Allied Resolve 2022 drills, which are expected to take place February 10th through 20th. Remember, uh, 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 Putin just had had drills uh, on um, uh, uh, the border with Ukraine uh, last month, right? And then they pulled some of them back, but still left 70 or 80,000 troops there. Fomin didn't say how many troops will be involved, but mentioned that Russia will deploy a dozen Su-35 fighter jets and several air defense units to Belarus. The deployment would bolster an estimated 100,000 Russian troops with tanks and other heavy weapons who are already amassing uh, near Ukraine. Um, Fomin, amassed near Ukraine, rather. They're already there. Fomin 
said the drills in Belarus, which involve an unspecified number of troops from Russia's eastern military district, reflect the need to practice concentrating the country's entire military potential in the West. Uh, Fomin said at the meeting with foreign military attaches, a situation may arise when forces and means of the of the regional group of forces will be insufficient to ensure reliable security of the Union state, and we must be ready to th- strengthen it. We have reached an understanding with Belarus that it's necessary to engage the entire military potential for joint defense. A senior Biden administration official said Russian troop deployment to Belarus raises concerns that Moscow may be planning to stage troops there to stretch Ukraine's defenses with an attack from the north. The official who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive issues noted that this may also indicate Belarus's willingness, willingness to allow both Russian conventional and nuclear forces to be stationed on its territory. This is turning into a a, 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 a shit show, man. Um, the United States and its allies have urged Russia to de-escalate the situation by calling back the troops amassed near Ukraine. NATO Secretary General uh, Jen Stoltenberg met with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz in Berlin yesterday. He said the main task now is to make progress on the political way forward to prevent a military attack against Ukraine. NATO allies are ready to meet with Russia again, and today I have invited Russia and all the NATO allies to attend a series of meetings in the NATO-Russian Council in the near future to address our concerns, but also listen to Russia's concerns. I hope this attempt to keep the peace isn't going to be so much that it allows war, like in World War II. Speaking on a visit yesterday to Ukraine, Canadian Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie denounced the Russian troop buildup as unacceptable. She noted Canada's efforts to help Ukraine, the Ukraine military, adding that it's currently considering Ukraine's demand to provide it with military equipment and will make a decision in a timely matter. Oh, man. A lot of stuff today, right? Uh, Anyway, that's it. Oh, man. Did I almost go 40 minutes? Jeez, I'm so sorry, man. I'm really sorry. Uh, That's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday, January, January 19th, 2022. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming. Bring someone with you today or tomorrow. Tell them that my reports normally aren't 40 minutes long. He was a little insane today. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, I'll show up right at the top of the search. Uh, Tweet to me your questions, insights, or fights. Maybe you want to school me on something. Maybe you want to give me a story. Uh, uh, Yeah, who knows? Uh, At Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. And remember... Always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.